Welcome to episode 20 of the Camera Shake podcast with me, Kirsten Lutz, and Nick Kirby, where we talk about photography, video, cameras, tech, and anything and everything that's got anything to do with creating photos and making videos. And if you're listening to the audio version and our silky smooth voices aren't enough for your eardrums, you can head over to YouTube and watch us there in glorious Technicolor. So, episode 20. 20 weeks, man. 20 weeks. Tiring, eh? That's <laughs> <laughs> been nice. 20 it's been weeks. great fun. I can't believe we're there. Well, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a milestone. In five more episodes, we'll be a quarter of the way to 100. I know. I know. So, you know, 20 weeks sounds like a long time. It doesn't really feel that long, really. Not at all. Yeah. I feel like we're four or five in. Yeah, it's, it's weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, really strange. Really, really strange. Yeah. Um, and we said last week that things feel like they're getting back to normal uh, to a certain extent out there, although that may change again soon. Well, although the news uh, this week aren't quite as positive as they were. No. Nope. You know, so uh, I'm kind of wondering how normal it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Not normal. Not normal. You know, it's we, we I talk about this with my band and whatnot, but we, we don't think we're going to be, you know, doing weddings and playing mm. those functions for many many more months to mm. come yeah. many months but I, I estimate may mm. before we'll be doing those kind of gigs again yeah yeah it's, it's a really tricky one um you know i don't know i mean I, I'm, I'm not really sure what i'm you know what i'm to make of of the whole thing and now mm-hmm. that you know schools are back and everything it's like it feels it feels like it's moving in the wrong direction so. yeah it does it does it's because we well, there could be a thousand reasons behind it, really. Mm. And no matter what the government or the public did, may or may not have made any difference whatsoever. If mm. we'd done something else, this may still happen. We'd be blaming that. So, yeah, true. It's very difficult to, you know, kind of second guess yourself on it. But um, mm. at the end of the day, it is what it is. And we've got to try and do whatever we can. Mm. So. On a positive note, of course, you know, we started this podcast like you know in the middle of the full-on lockdown mm. or i mean really at the beginning of the lockdown really because you know um it gave us something to do i guess but um but at least we know how to do it like yeah. even if we're going back down the, the road of like total lockdown we're gonna you know stay at home and can't leave our houses and whatever we can still carry on with this we can podcast. we absolutely so. can that means i'll have to move the set around again oh god well yeah or you know we could try a different camera angle yeah, yeah it'll work yeah, just above. Yeah, or you can just turn a table this way and then shoot this way. Do you know how long it took to get this table level? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's <laughs> true. That's amazing, man. Uh, yeah, so, um, well, it is what it is. We'll deal with it, whatever comes. No worries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how's your week been? Uh, it's been painful. Painful, painful. Uh, I sort of, uh, what's the, what do you call it? Like my, my kneecap fell out or slipped out fell out yeah it kind no of, knee there now well no it's, it kind of it, it went back in but um we took the dog for a walk right just getting right in there with the dog reference of course Excellent. so um yeah we, we took the uh we took the dog to the to the park and um my youngest daughter goes like oh let's you know let's run with the dog and um it my knee lasted about three meters i think so your very first bit of exercise in months and you damaged yourself. Yep, didn't, it didn't okay. go well. It didn't go well at all. So but it's yeah. extremely painful. I don't think I've ever had. Um, I don't think I've ever had my kneecap sort of pop out, as it were. No, like that's not that's not cool. That was very painful. Yeah, I get something yeah. similar every so often if I put my leg in a funny position. Something, mm. something pops. What it is, I don't know what yeah. it is. But uh, um, when it eventually goes back in or goes back to where it should be after yeah. a, you know maybe a minute or so. It's very painful. Yeah, for, exactly. For days afterwards, if not longer. Yeah. So I'm sort of, um, I'm kind of at the point where it's still niggling, but it's, it's, def- I mean, it's definitely getting better. You know. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was really annoying, um, especially because I, I actually quite like running. So yeah, maybe yeah, you could do a video diary of your recovery. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, true. Talking about videos, um, so you know we've been, well, you know, but maybe you know. For, for those of you who are joining us um, from afresh, as it were, um, we every week we do this uh, photo video chat on Zoom, which mm-hmm. is like you know, 
uh, people can, can join for free. We talk about, well, all, all things related to, uh, you know, photography and whatever. And um, for the last couple of months or something, we've been using this, this uh, opportunity to, to really just teach things like uh, Photoshop, for example. Mm -hmm. So we've been teaching Photoshop and it's been going really well. And, um, and it seems like, you know, people are really enjoying it. Um, we're really, you know, we've taken it all the way back to absolute zero, like total beginner level. Um, and so we're working through um, the sort of basics of Photoshop. Um, and, uh, and due to popular demand, we'll be turning some of those into videos that um, that uh, can be watched on, on YouTube. Yeah. So today is Thursday. If you're listening to this on the day of release, which of course, clearly you should, you should, why Absolutely. not? Why wouldn't you? Um, so, so the video should be available on uh, the Camera Shake um, YouTube channel, right? Meow. So you should be able to uh, check it out now. So yeah. So in in this video, we're talking about changing the color of everything mm -hmm. in Photoshop. So um, that should be quite interesting. If you're if you've been wondering how to do that, then you can uh, follow along there, learn something. It's quite straightforward. It's a great thing to start with. Um, you know, there, there's mm. all sorts of basics you can go to, but changing the color of something and, you know, removing objects and things like that mm -hmm. are, they must rate very high on what lots of people search for. Well, I mean, this is like, this is why I said, you know, based on, on popular demand, because those are the questions um, I get asked all the time. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, because I think what happens is a lot of people in the digital photography world, you know, when you start shooting in RAW, like when you move from JPEG to RAW, and you then start editing your photos um, on, on your computer. Um, I think a lot of people end up using Lightroom, mm -hmm. which is a great choice because it gives you, you know, not, not only the kind of uh, the library function, so you can you can organize your photos on your hard drive or on your computer, um, but it also then functions as an editor. So you've got really, you know, great detail control um, over, over editing your photo. Um, and because the raw editor, it basically it really allows you to, to get in there and you can, um, you know, not only change things like contrast or whatever, but you can get in there with tone curves and really change, you know, the way it looks. And you can kind of, you can remove things in a very rudimentary way um, in Lightroom. But once you get past that sort of editing the look of the photo bit, you really then have to hop into Photoshop. And I think that's kind of, that's where the barrier lies for a lot of people. It's like, right. you know, once you get your head around Lightroom and all the things that you can do there, which is, you can do a million things in Lightroom. Um, then the, the question is always like, why would you need to move on into Photoshop? And of course, Lightroom and Photoshop come as a bundle. So if you, you know, if you're, if you subscribe to, uh, to the Adobe photography subscription, um, Lightroom and Photoshop get bundled together for like whatever it is, like a tenner. Or something a month, which actually uh, personally I feel is really good value for what it is. It really is. <laughs> um, but I, I know that you know for, in, from conversations I've had with uh, with many other um, you know hobbyist photographers in particular is that um, moving into moving on into Photoshop can seem really scary. Like it's so it seems so much more complicated, and and the question is also like why would you need to do that? Because you can actually you can edit your image in, in Lightroom, you know, for the most part, and you can get some really awesome results. So yeah. why would you need to even move on to Photoshop? And I think the thing is, once you get to the point where you either want to remove things from your image, like let's say you've got some power lines going through that you want to get rid of, or, you know, it's just objects in, in the in the frame that you, you know, that you didn't see when you took the photo or they annoy you now or whatever, and you want to get rid of that, then you can't really do that in Lightroom. Um, again, there isn't there's sort of a a removal brush in Lightroom, but it doesn't. It works for some very basic things, but the results are you know so so. So uh, once once you need to uh, once you get to the point where you need to remove some more complicated stuff, then really Photoshop is is the better option. Mm -hmm. um, so it's either the, at that point where people move on or move over from Lightroom to Photoshop, um, or it's at the point where you want to replace a color completely. This is, you know, like for instance, if you want to change the color of a car, for, for argument's sake. Um, so 
in uh, in in our example video, we're taking a we're taking a car, we're taking a Ferrari. In fact, a Ferrari that I shot um, only a couple of weeks ago, and it was yellow. And the thing about Ferraris is you always imagine them to be red, clearly, because <laughs> isn't there such a thing as Ferrari red? There is. I think there is, right? There is. Yeah. Did they trademark that car? I think they did. Yeah. yeah. Nuts. So, but this particular Ferrari, um, which very much reminded me of the Magnum PI. <laughs> Ferrari. I'm not sure whether it's the exact same model. It's kind of, it looks very much like it, but it was yellow. So I can't, any, any viewers over a certain age are going to understand hey, that reference. Didn't they do it? Isn't there? Was there a reboot? I think there, there is. Isn't I, not that I've seen it, but no. you know, if you're listening to this and you know, and you're a fan of Magnum PI, then let us know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so the idea was really, you know, to take, to take this, this yellow Ferrari and turn it red, you know, back to its origins. Um, and so, uh, and so that's that's what you can do in Photoshop, and it's really not difficult. It's actually really quite yeah. It's quite it's quite easy once you know how to do it. Um, and uh, and so this is our, our first Photoshop tutorial on YouTube, and uh, you know, uh, again, it explains exactly how you can pick out a particular color in your image, and how you can affect only that color and change that, and even um, you can then create a very simple mask, which basically means that even if there's any other yellow in the frame like there may be yellow flowers or whatever um you can make sure that you're only affecting the yellow of the car and you turn that into red rather than mm -hmm. anything else so so that's really you know masking is really something that um uh, you can't do very well in um in lightroom and of course in photoshop you work in layers what that means we'll discuss it in a in a future video yeah. but um to cut a long story short you can really go into a lot, a lot more detail in Photoshop. And, you know, I think that's what, that's certainly what put me off Photoshop for the longest time mm -hmm. is because there is so much that you can do. It's, it's just overwhelming. <clears throat> there are so <throat> many different tools, so many tools within those tools, so many different <laughs> options within the, within <clears throat> the menus. <clears throat> and it's not, it's not the most intuitive program to use when you first, oh, when you first jump on it, it, you know, mm -hmm. um, you need to be taught it. Uh, you need to be taught the basics. Mm. Once you've got the basics, you can start feeling your way around Photoshop and working out, you know, I want to be able to do this. Mm. How can I go about it? Well, I think one of the uh, really confusing things about Photoshop, especially for beginners, is, is the fact that um, there are always multiple ways that you could achieve the same result. That makes it even harder. And that's like, you know, and it's, you know, talk about tools there. You know, just when you think about removing an object, for instance, mm -hmm. in, in Photoshop, there's like four different tools that will allow you to to get the desired result. But depending on the situation that you're in, um, you may be better off or you may get better results using one tool over another, or you may very well, you know, be able to, to use some of those tools or you may need to use some of those tools in combination in order to get a result. Yeah, you know, yeah. in order to make it look photorealistic, and yeah. you know, in order to really make it look tidy and everything. So, um, and that's really um, that's sort of part of the of, of our Photoshop series is to to really teach the kind of you know the intricacies of these tools, for example, and uh, how you would go about creating a workflow in order to you know remove something or change color or something, or, you know, and so on and so forth. So that's really the idea. So we're you know we're starting today. Um, so if you, you know, if you're interested, um, find our channel, Camera Shake, our Camera Shake podcast on YouTube and you'll no doubt find the, uh, find the video on there. Absolutely, man. So and, can... you know, on the kind of other side of what we, what we do is the video related, um, topics, we mm -hmm. do essentially the same thing, mm -hmm. but with, uh, Premiere Pro. Yeah, correct. Um, and you know, I started on Final Cut. Right. right and move to Premiere. And ultimately, they're the same software at the end of the day. They mm. do the same thing. They just do it in a slightly different way. Yeah. All right. And it took a little while or to, to adjust to, to how um, Premiere Pro is. And Premiere Pro is not as intuitive in some respects mm -hmm. than Final Cut is. Mm. Final Cut is quite intuitive, It you know, which is why iMovie looks almost identical mm -hmm. to yeah, Final true. Cut and does lots of lots of the same things in the same way. But Premiere doesn't do it. They do it in a slightly different way often. Mm. And some ways are better. And it took a while to get my head around it and go, well, where's that? 
I want to be able to do that, but that's not where I would think it would be. Mm. So obviously when I first moved to Premier, I started looking up, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? And, you know, watching some videos and all, all those kind of things. But there wasn't really any series or specific videos that really went down to the basics of, mm. I want to be able to do this, 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 mm. and this. And knowing that they're the few things that will see me through most of my edits. Mm. You know, 80, 75% of my edit will be done with these five things. Mm. Couldn't find it. Yeah. Couldn't find it. And those that I did find overcomplicated it mm. and didn't just say, look, I just want to be able to do this. Tell me the steps to be able to do it. Mm. And a quick explanation as to why I yeah. need to do it in that way. So that's what we're trying to do with the Premiere Pro side of things. And yeah. we'll try and sync those up with Final Cut too. You know, the the two main video editors out there. There, yeah. are, there are others, um, but I'm certainly not particularly familiar with them. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you are I, I, either. Well, if you saw in Vegas for a little while. but uh, yes, um, of course. <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, um, I, I kind of, I, start, I started with Premiere Pro back in the, I can't remember what it was. I think it was. It may have been even before it was CS. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that goes back like a long time. Um, yeah, it may have been like... That's like 20 years ago. Before it was CS1 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I used it up to about CS5, I think. And then uh, then I tried out Sony Vegas for a little while. Um, and then I moved on to Mac. So th- th- that was like, the, you know, that was... Th- pre-Mac, the old PC days. Yeah. Um, then I moved on to, onto Mac um, and then I kind of thought, well, do you know what? I'm just going to give Final Cut a shot. And, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's because, I mean, as you say, it's it's very intuitive. Um, and because my video editing really doesn't extend, it, you know, I mean, it's not, I don't do particularly intricate edits, you know, so... Um, I mean, I remember, like, I didn't do any video editing for 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 a good, I don't know, couple of years maybe, um, because that was just what the situation was. Yeah. Um, and then I got back into uh, editing videos when I was doing, uh, I was doing Instagram stories. When I just got into Instagram and I made these these stories every week, and uh, I figured that, you know, it would be cool to um, to make Instagram stories, but to actually shoot them on a you know, on a DSLR and, um, and to edit them properly and to give them more like production value, you know, and to really kind of put some, you know, put some focus on, onto the editing, make them fun, you know, rather than just holding your phone up and filming some yeah, stuff. Anyway, absolutely. and so, um, you know, and I kind of thought, well, if I make a story like that, I totally overproduce a story basically every week, then that'd be a fun thing to do. And it would just keep me creative. And, you know, it was at a time where there wasn't really much else going on. So, um, and I kind of, and I figured because I wanted it to be quick and I wanted the edit, like the editing process to be quick and simple and intuitive and Final Cut really did a perfect job, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, I, and I also got to know it really well, um, because of that, because I was editing on it every week. Um, and, uh, and it's like anything, you know, as, as you keep using a tool, you get really quite familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, Premiere Pro or Adobe, you know, the creative suite has moved on since then. So yeah. if I look at the latest version of uh, Premiere Pro now, it, although there's, there's still sort of a, there's a, there's a sense of familiarity to it, um, it obviously has grown quite considerably since I used it last, Yeah, you know. Okay. So um, I would have to really kind of get back into it and then learn, you know, everything that's new um, about it. And, so, and there's, no, there's no point in doing that unless there's a fundamental reason to switch yeah then oh, what's the point they all they all do the same thing they do it in just different ways yeah and, and i mean we've discussed this you know in, in the past i mean for me the only reason that would make me switch uh to premiere pro now would be one of compatibility right that would be the only reason there's this really there's virtually no other reason why i would need to switch so if there was a program uh, sorry if there was a project that we'd be working on together for instance and there'd be a need for us to edit the same file which is possible in Premiere Pro, which is great, actually, because you mm-hmm. can do team edits. So you can do the same thing with Final Cut, by the way. But just saying that, just put it out there, right? <laughs> you know, I have no idea whether it's possible with Sony Vegas, but hey. Anyway, 
Um, but you know, if there was a project that we'd be working on um, and, and there would be a need for us to do that, then yeah, no problem. Absolutely no brainer, yeah. right? So we've decided that we're, that we're going to create a, a series of tutorials based on Photoshop, on Premiere Pro, on Final Cut, and on Lightroom. Yeah. And we're going to be working on those uh, over the next weeks and months. And we're going to be obviously uh, putting them live on, on YouTube, on the channel. And if you want to follow along with us, then you know you're more than more than welcome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and possibly even After Effects. Oh, and possibly yes, for, yeah, yeah, After Effects. That's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been looking at Apple Motion, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, it's, it's at at this point, I haven't really been able to get into it um, very much. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been yeah. a very long time since I've I've looked at it. But mm. nothing wrong with Apple Motion. No, it's um. It's that it's a new thing for me at the moment, so I'm, you know, I'm, I might, you know, you know that time between Christmas and New Year when like everything's dead, mm-hmm. nobody's doing anything, everybody's just like stuffing their faces with turkey, and you know, I barely get off the sofa. Like, yeah, exactly. So the post turkey phase between <laughs> that and New Year, um, that may be the perfect time for me to uh, to look at Apple Motion. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's in fact that's when I started creating stories for for Instagram. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because what happened was, um, I was in, obviously Instagram had been around. This this goes back some years, but basically Instagram had been around. I'd never really paid much attention to it, and people get attention to me. Oh, you know, it's a visual platform. As a photographer, you have to be on it. Um, and so, um, and so I decided to check it out and have a look at it and work out how it, how it works. You know. And um, and so they had just literally just launched the story function, or they were just in the process of launching it, or something okay. like that. And so I just got my head around, you know, the platform and the whole, uh, you know, hashtagging thing and everything else. And and the story started to to happen, and I noticed that um, it, first of all, I thought it was a great idea, you know, this kind of in the moment. You, you take a snap, you put it, you basically document your day by stringing together snapshots. It really seemed like a great idea. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a great idea. You know, it's, it really can give you an idea of, of how, what, you know, how somebody's, what, what's, what happened in, in somebody's day and what that was like. Um, and, and the fact that you could use videos as well, mm-hmm. you know, 10 second, I think 10 second videos, um, and then string them together to create a string of of short videos was also a great idea. And then I also like the fact that it was all in portrait rather than in like you know in landscape. Yeah. Um, I like that new challenge of creating you know videos in in that perspective because the, although you can upload videos in landscape on it, it doesn't make any sense because people just tend to not move their phone around. You know. So it's a new, it was kind of a new creative challenge. And I kind of thought, yeah, that's exactly what I need. I need something new to do. And I'm wondering whether I can make a story every week. And so because you can string them together, you can kind of turn, you know, these, I think it was, actually, I think it was 15 second videos. Um, you can string a number of those together and you get like 45 seconds or a minute of content uh, made up of these mm-hmm. blocks, you know, a video. Um, and I kind of thought, you know, a minute is probably sort of the absolute maximum of what somebody could w- would watch, really, you know. And I can't, then I thought, like, that's the creative challenge because now I've got to tell a story in a minute, in under a minute. And and that was really fun. And it, it, we, we, as a family, actually really got into it. Like, everybody got involved. You know, my daughter was involved. My wife was involved. Um, my wife went to film school, but from script writing. Like that was her thing, you know, the whole script writing thing. And so it was interesting talking to her about story development and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. You know, my daughter was involved because very often she was a subject and like, you know, the actual su- subject of the story. Um, and also she loved the whole creative process. So she was, um, she ended up directing me when I was doing something in front of the camera. So she turned into director producer. She was only like six at the time, or something, or seven. <laughs> um, and and everybody got involved to some extent, and so it turned into this like family activity every every week. Um, we did that for quite like for I don't know a good number of months, mm-hmm. 
Um, and then until it kind of, and I, I sort of thought, you know, I'll do that. It's fun. I'll do that until it becomes a burden. And then after, I don't know, maybe four months, five months or something, you know, it started to become a little bit like, oh, okay, you know, we have to make a story. Because um, I think originally we're like, I don't know, we were releasing it on a Wednesday or something. But then it was like, okay, so we've got to shoot something over the weekend. Then I've got to edit it. And then it's got to, it's got to come out on the Wednesday at like whatever we said, four o'clock or something. Um, and it just became this, it became stressful, mm-hmm. you know, after mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. <laughs> and then we kind of figured out, oh, well, okay, maybe, you know, um, that was a really fun little project, but, you know, we don't necessarily have to get too obnoxious about it. And that's the thing, isn't it? When it stops being fun, then what's the point? Well, you know, it's by that time I had worked out how it works, you know, and it's um, it's with, with any creative project, you know, once you sort of feel like you've come to the end of it, then it's time to move on to something else. Because, yeah. because for me, creative projects like that should be challenging um, and it should be, you know, fun. And yeah, and when you get to the end of it, you can kind of feel it, you know, and then it's sort of time to move on to something else, especially when you do something that's not time limited. Like there's no end inside. Like for instance, when you do like a, um, a three, like a, what is it called? A three, three, how many days are there in the, in the year? Three, three, six, five, three, six, five. Yeah. Yeah. Just of course. Three, six, five. <laughs> so, um, when you do three, six, five, it basically means you take a photo every day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't end inside, you know, you know, you want to do it for a year and, you know, and, and that can be tricky sometimes because maybe you can't think of anything to photograph on that day, but then you just take a photograph of your toe or something and, yeah. you know, make that the photo of the day. But, you know, there's a, there's an end inside. When you use something that's not, that has no limitation, you know, something that's kind of infinite, then you just have to trust your feelings, you know, and you just go, well, okay. And this is why I'm such a fan of deadlines. <laughs> yeah, I know you. Such, you know, for, for me, it's a big deal, yeah. you know, because if I don't have a deadline for myself, it doesn't matter what the task is or the project or it really doesn't matter. If I don't have a deadline, I'm not going to do it. Right. In a timely fashion anyway. Yeah. Unless I say to myself, right, this needs to be done by Friday, Friday morning, mm. whatever it is, no matter how much work's involved, I'll get it done mm. and it will be done. Simple as that. Yeah. If I don't, I'll just found it's like oh well, it doesn't have to be done by then yeah it'll get done when it gets done and i'll do something else instead yeah i mean i think i've i've gotten i've gotten to like deadlines more than i used to yeah i think um i think these stress me out more than more than they i think this is partly why i ended up being a, a project manager uh, <laughs> the last last few yeah. years at amazon because i like deadlines you yeah. know and people don't like being chased up on deadlines either no exactly yeah. absolutely yeah. But, this is what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, like you know, like I said, I'm, I'm getting to grips with with deadlines more now than than I than I possibly have in the in the past. Um, Do you find because if you didn't like deadlines in the past and you're you know a bit more comfortable with them today, I know how I feel when I meet that deadline. Hmm. Do you feel that sense of accomplishment and achievement when you you've set yourself that deadline and completed it in in time? Do you feel good about that? Or do you not care? Um, no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's got that kind of um, effect of reward. Um, ah, okay. For me, I think it's more. I think okay, so I I do get the reward bit, um, but uh, I think since I started bullet journaling, um, it's more of a thing where I set myself goals. They're not necessarily fixed deadlines per se, but mm-hmm. they are goals within a time frame so for instance you know to give you an example um so with bullet journaling um, what you do is you set yourself uh, a weekly goal let's say or a monthly goal for example and that, that could be absolutely anything you know it could be it could be as vague as read more or it could be as very spe- it could be very specific like you know read chapter seven to nine of this book right um it doesn't really matter what your goal is but the the point is is that you set yourself goals for the week and goals for the month and um, and also like goals for the day. And as you complete those, of course, that makes you feel better. Um, but for instance, the weekly goal doesn't really matter whether I can complete that on a Monday or I can complete it on a Sunday. It, it doesn't, you know, it makes no difference. And in fact, 
it takes the stress out of it because you can just simply defer those goals to the following week. Mm. So if you don't complete mm -hmm. it, you can just simply move that on to the next mm -hmm. week. But you keep track of it. And because you keep track of it, you get reminded of it all the time. And actually it leads to you completing them um, in a more timely fashion, if yeah. you know what I mean. But it kind of, it almost like, to me, it almost like takes the, the, the pressure off of it. Um, but it also, what it also does is it allows me to plan my week better. Um, I have a tendency, and I know this about myself, I have a tendency to bulk everything together onto, like let's say on a Monday, I sit down, I'll make, you know, I sort of plan through my week and I tend to think like, okay, here's my to-do list. You know, it's, it's this, 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 and something else. And then you end up with like 20 to do like 20 things to do on your to-do list. Mm -hmm. And of course, you, know, you start completing like four in a day, but you still have 16 left and you feel depressed because you feel like you're not getting anywhere. But with bullet journaling, I can take that and I can take these 20 things and I can spread them out over the week or even over the month. And there's sort of almost like a, there's a thing that you do whereby you, you stop yourself at some point and you kind of go, well, okay, I haven't completed this task this week. Is there a point in completing it? Is it important enough for mm -hmm. me to worry about that? And if the answer is no, then forget about it. And if the answer is yes, then you just put it on the next on the next day. Yep. And it seems like the, a recipe for you to push things ahead of you. But really what happens is um, because you kind of remind yourself of, of, of your tasks all the time, at least that's how it works for me, um, I'll then, I'll, I'm then more likely to complete them. And I do that because... I have a real tendency to focus on the on the things that I want to do and the mundane things that that I know need to be done, but I don't really want to do them because yep. I find them boring or whatever, right? I I know that I have a tendency to to kind of push them ahead on myself and, and potentially not complete them, and unfortunately, very often it's it's the boring and mundane things that have the biggest impact. It's always the <laughs> way, you know. Always, yeah. And so this, this is just a system for me that, that really helps me to kind of uh, to bring the focus back onto those things and to actually just do them and complete them. And, and I feel, yeah, that makes me feel better. I took up trying to get those ones done first mm. in a given day or week or whatever that time ah. frame is, because I knew I'm, I'm the same as you. Mm. They'll get left. Yeah. I'll do the things that I want to do first. Yeah. And like you say, they're always the things that matter most are the boring and like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do that. I've, over the last uh, two days, actually. So what, what's happened in the UK for those uh, of you who are listening from abroad? So school literally just started this Monday um, in the UK, and kids are back to school. Schools are obviously operating. Um, and what it means is, is that my wife, who's a teacher, is now also back mm -hmm. at at work full time. And uh, that means in return that I'm at home looking after the dog. As I'm working from home, I'm also you know looking after the dog, and he's a puppy, right? So uh, you know. At first, you're thinking like, well, how can I get any work done with a puppy around? Because that dog's going to go nuts and, you know, wants to play all the time and it's difficult to get anything done. But actually, the truth is, he's got his rhythm because he's now, what, 16 weeks old, mm -hmm. 17 weeks old. Um, so he's got his rhythm. And what I know about him is, is that he is not a morning dog. <laughs> he's not a morning dog. He gets up. Sounds like Garfield. <laughs> he's, he's so funny, man. <laughs> he gets up. He has his breakfast. Goes out, comes back in, straight back into bed, and he'll basically sleep until eleven thirty. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's like he'll be he chill out on the couch, you know, he'll pop his head up occasionally, but he'll literally he'll be worked out until until just before midday, when it's like lunchtime, right? And then after that, he gets active and he wants to play, and you know, so lunchtime ish, you know, one o'clock ish or something. That's kind of when he starts, and then he gets a bit overexcited. And burns all his energy, and then it's crash and burn, and he'll sleep again mm -hmm. for the afternoon. So, because I mean, obviously puppies sleep a lot, but that's kind of his time, and that's really his rhythm every day. So I know that if I want to get any filming done, for example, or you know, I have to do it in the morning first thing. So as soon as my wife's gone to work, out the door, my my, uh, my stepdaughter's off to school. Boom! I've got literally three hours in which I can do stuff in front of the camera, for example. Um, I can film things, or can you know. Do things that I really have to concentrate on mm -hmm. and needs silence, I can get them done then. If I haven't got that done by eleven thirty, no chance for the rest of the day. Right. Because you've got a dog throwing around toys, launching himself off the couch, you know, 
And although it doesn't mean that I can't get any work done after that, it just means that I can't really film anything. I kind of have microphones on mm -hmm. because he'll mm -hmm. be barking at the cat and then he'll be sitting on the windowsill and he'll gonna, I don't know, he's chasing snails in the garden or whatever he's doing, right? <laughs> um, so, so my daily rhythm is, is dictated by a number of these, <laughs> you know, these, uh, these, I don't know, situations, you know what I mean? Dog-related situations. Dog, yeah, dog, I mean, yeah. at the moment, he's a puppy <laughs> and he'll, you know, he'll chill out over time. Yeah, but at the moment, that's how it is. And it also means that we really, it's impossible for, for us to do any filming because I can't really leave him alone for too long. So, it, you know, f uh, for me to come over to film, that has to now happen slightly later in the day because, mm -hmm. um, because he'll, you know, because I have to look after him sort of thing. So, so it's kind of changed up my rhythm a little bit. Um, but, you know, again, bullet journaling, great thing to do because you can just, you just schedule things in. Yeah for you know when when you know they need to happen so i need to get back into doing things like that lockdown has pushed me into it started off really efficient mm -hmm. really efficient get on it do this do that do that and it was great it was mm. actually really good really productive mm. and then as the weeks go on you're still at home a lot mm. you start getting a bit lax you know and then suddenly it's like oh no i won't get up yet yeah. I don't need to get up yet. That's fine. I'll sleep for a bit longer. Oh, and, and before you know it, it's midday and you've just, you've, you've had coffee and breakfast and that's yeah. about it. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's always Netflix. Um, I've seen everything on Netflix. Now. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's exactly, I mean, that's, that's exactly, it was exactly uh, why I started bullet journaling in the first place was exactly because of that. Mm -hmm. um, that was like mid lockdown when things were starting to get a little bit ropey, you know, and you're like, you literally, you've just spent like, I don't know, two and a half months at home and you kind of go, whoa, okay. Lack of structure. Yeah, lack of structure. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so it's, it was, it was one of these things where, um, it was getting to the point where things were, you know, not necessarily derailing, but they just needed to be weighed in mm -hmm. again. And, and so I was looking, um, for a way to do that. Uh, and at the time, I, th I think, you know, we talked about this before, um, there are a myriad of digital options. <laughs> you know, there's, I yeah. don't know how many apps that allow you to like organize your, uh, your day, you know, whether that's, um, I don't know. I used to think of Wunderlist, which doesn't exist anymore because it was bought up by Microsoft. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Um, and they're integrating. I've used it. that before. Yeah, it was good. I, I liked it. It was like a lists and lists, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, or Evernote or whatever it is. That they use to organize your day, and it's just another thing that I can't remember the name of. But, um, and that's cool. And of course, you get it on your phone, and then it syncs to your uh, to your computer and everything, and it all makes sense. It's all very, you know, useful and everything, but it's not tangible. Mm -hmm. And I th I thought at, a, at there's one point in a, in during lockdown where I thought I need to go back to pen and paper. Like at least for part of it, like I need to actually put the phone away and you sit down and I just need to put pen to paper and, and, and just do something that has, yeah, that's more tangible, you know, that I don't know. And it, it really made a big difference Yeah, to me. Yeah, absolutely. There is something to be said for physically writing something down and crossing it off, checking it off, whatever it is, whatever methods you use. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it's, it's like the act of when you're learning to do something right. Mm. It's only when you, act, you actually do it, do you start taking it in and learn, re actually learning it. You know, you could give yeah. me a basic set of instructions to do something mm. and I could take, you know, learn that from what you said. Mm. But it's only until I do it that it really, really goes in. And I think it's the same the same kind of 100%. psychological um, sort of reasons why yeah. writing something down and ticking it off that works. Totally. Too. And and the other thing also is, um, you know, I, f I found out I had to slow my handwriting down because I don't know about you, but since, you know, since the event of the keyboard, like my handwriting has gone down the drain. I'm not sure I've written anything for about 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything of substance. I can't even sign my right. own name anymore. It's, it really is. I mean, you know, my, my handwriting, I can't even read my own handwriting. Oh, okay. Um, so, and it's because you, you sort of think that that you need to write as as fast as you can type, and of course that's 
doesn't make any sense, but no. it's ridiculous. So, um, so I kind of, I needed to find a way to slow my writing down. And what that does, of course, is now you spend longer writing something like let's say bullet points, for example, because you spend more time executing that it sinks into your brain, yeah. you know, more yeah. deeply in a way. And so, um, so I decided to switch to, um, to ink, right. Um, because you have to slow down when you, yeah. when you write things. So that's kind of, that's done it for me. And you know, I don't know, I quite like it. It's a bit of a process. You know, it's a thing now I kind of sit down with, you know, some coffee. Um, and that's the start of my day. I just take, take out whatever 10 minute time, you know, and, uh, you know what? I'm going to do it. Oh, I'm going to make the switch. I'm going to make the switch. I'm going to do, hmm. you know, paper and pen and, um, yeah, actually, I got given a really old kind of uh, is it Mont Blanc? Oh yeah, pen like ballpoint, like, oh, really nice, really nice. Yeah. It, is. it writes beautifully. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Um, and I might just uh, I'm gonna do it. I'll do it. Yeah, I'm gonna start tomorrow. It's worth it's worth a try. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you know you have um, you know, I was looking around for the type of journal that would um, I don't know that I would like, and I tried a number of different ones. Um, I sort of ended up on this kind of idea of a traveler's journal which is essentially is a slab of leather essentially is all it is um with some elastics inside and you get these inserts and you can string as many inserts together as you want and you know you can have it with lines or not or whatever and um um and it kind of does it it just does it for me it's like the, it's just i just like that kind of vibe yeah you know sure so um i i enjoy taking a journal out and i enjoy writing in it um and so the for me the, the sitting down and planning out my day thing first thing in the morning is a fun thing to do because i enjoy doing it you know um whilst if it's just you know if you just for, for me anyway if i just look at a screen and i open an app or an open app on my phone that's not fun and and yeah. right the other thing to to do with this is you know a typing it on your phone or on your mac you're not taking it in in the same way as you would write it be writing it down yeah. but the other other thing is is to get your you're going to spend the rest of the day on the screen yeah so get off the screen for exactly. a while that's exactly and look at remember books absolutely yeah exactly anyway, right yeah paper books totally. a couple behind you there but yeah. only a couple yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's um so yeah i don't know it's uh you know i remember when we first talked about bullet journaling in episode whatever it was four or something yeah it's very early you know um i remember you said uh let's see let, let's see how you're going like yeah, six weeks time or something, you know, and now like whatever, sixteen weeks later, I'm still doing it. Still so then strong. Yeah. So um, this, there's certain things. I mean, it's also quite experimental because, of course, I, I've never really done that before. Um, and there's certain things that I, I've I've adapted it a little bit from the way I started out. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a, there's a way that you can track certain things. Now I also find that very useful. Like you can track, you know, I don't know, whatever it is you want to track. Like if you're into health and fitness or whatever, you can you can track your workouts or you can track your water consumption or how much coffee you drink or whatever. Well, you can track whatever it is that you want to track. Um, and it gives you an insight into your behavioral patterns. Mm. And what that does is it allows you to make choices, you know, conscious choices. Like for instance, you might find that for whatever reason, you drink double the amount of coffee on a weekend day than you do on a weekday and you drink half the amount of water. And then if you look at that and you see that that's a behavioral pattern, you know, you can change it mm-hmm. and you've got it there in black and white, you know, and you can see how if you, you know, if you track weight or uh, calories or whatever it is you want to track, you know, obviously that has an impact if you like working out then has an impact on the results that you'd be getting. And you can, you can sort of, see causality if that makes sense mm, you know you're doing yeah. one thing it has an effect you can see it on a graph and you can kind of work out by days and whatever i mean you can get into it as, as far as you want you know you can i don't know there's some some people who are quite obnoxious for the whole thing i kind of found that as much as i like to track lots of different things the reality is is actually i just have to reduce it down to a couple of things yeah and then I'm more likely to actually consistently track the whole yeah. time, you know. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those things. Um, yeah, it seems it seems quite nerdy, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, no. And and this is the thing. It's it's okay for it to take a long time, not a long time, but to take a little while to do that mm. because of the positive reasons we've already discussed. But provided it doesn't feel like a chore, 
to do it because that's when it fails, right? Mm. It's like anything. If it feels like a chore, mm. you're not going to want to do it. So that's what I'll, I'll have to watch for myself that I don't overcomplicate it. Mm. Otherwise, it'll feel like, oh, all right, I've got to update this again. And yeah. yeah, you know, it was like, it was simple things um, that really worked for me. Like during lockdown, for example, you know, again, we're getting to that point where we're like two months in or something, everything, the world seemed to be closing in and everything else. And, and you kind of lose the mojo to do stuff, you know, mm-hmm. to do creative things or whatever. And, you know, and you find that you haven't taken the camera out of the back for like six weeks or whatever. Um, so one of my weekly tasks, very simple thing. Every week I had one simple task, which was make a photo. Any photo, it doesn't make it matter, whatever it was, just make a photo. And, you know, maybe then by the time you get to Wednesday and you still haven't done anything, you know, you look at it and you kind of go, oh yeah, hang on, that's it. You know, that was one of my tasks, I have to make a photo. So you start, you bring it back into the forefront of your mind, right? you know. Um, whilst otherwise it would have been really quite easy to just go through the whole week. Yeah. Getting, yeah. you know, into yet another binge watch of whatever Netflix show. Yeah. Yeah. Which has got its place as well during the week. It's not a bad thing. I've got know? to stop working in, in the living room. That's why I've got to. <laughs> well, what... The Umbrella Academy season two, binge watch that. It's good, right? Weekend. Wicked. Yeah. Oh my God. The sequences... The cinematography, it's really good. The art direction, the soundtrack. Love those sequences. Yeah, it's good. Love the sequences. Um, there's so much vignetting going on in that. <laughs> so much vignetting going on in that. Um, if you watch the Umbrella Academy season two, um, keep an eye out on the bottom left hand side of the screen. You're pretty much in every shot. You'll see some vignetting. Put in there. <laughs> Um, but again, have they done it off center then? Uh, yeah, because they're not vignetting as much on the top end of the frame. So it's really they're bringing in the bottom left and the bottom right to hem in yeah. the action. It's uh, yes, very very effective. It's a very subtle thing, uh, but they're doing it pretty much all the way through the mm. on uh, on most of the shots in there. It's... And it definitely wasn't your TV. Well, now as you mention it, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it doesn't. It's just a really big fly down yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, it's uh, it looks it looks great. If we're getting if we're going super nerdy, then you know I would have to say the color grading on it was excellent. <laughs> it does look good. It looks really really good. Really really good. Really really good. Yeah, it's, um, you saying that, it reminds me of something I was um, reading about. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Wolf Crow. Um, yeah. I, We'll put his name in the uh, in the description. I can't remember the, the guy's name now, mm-hmm. but he's got a website and a YouTube channel with all sorts of uh, video related. Mm. Some really really good stuff on there. Anyway, he's just um, did a, an article on a video the other day on um, reminding people of the of um, the free color rule in in cinematography. Oh yeah, and it's something you forget about and. Mm. Is so subtle at times that you don't even know it's happening, mm. and uh, and the, the general idea is to only have three pri- three colors mm. in your in any any shot. Mm. And that doesn't mean you know you can't have you know there's probably actually going to be about fifty colors in there, mm. but the general color mm. should be only three, and there'll be a primary color which will take up about you know fifty sixty percent of the frame, like the sky for example or something. Well, no, no, the primary color should be something that is where you want your eye to be drawn to. All oh, right, okay. So it's your your primary focus in the frame. So it might be, um, like let's, a, say it's, let's say it's a shot of you in mm, the street, mm. and you know you're wearing. Actually, this is an example. Was it the Joker or was it her? I can't remember. Both Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Right. But he gives some examples, and one of them is, um, I'm pretty sure it's in the film Her, and he's walking down the street and he's wearing a red jacket. Oh, okay. Mm. Nothing else in that frame is red really at all so your eye is immediately drawn to the red mm. and the, the secondary color and the tertiary color in there is a brown and a blue but the way they've done it and this was done in color grading in post rather than you know costume or general mm. um, how they how they shot it is everything to on the left hand side of the screen has got a brown kind of color to mm-hmm. it but everything to the right is kind of blue okay still the same street behind him yeah but they've color graded in such a way that it changes across the frame right. it's really interesting to see and it's not something right. you pick up on if you were to just watch the yeah. film you might but mm-hmm. the general watches wouldn't yeah but that's what it is and they're they're kind of complementary colors as well and mm. but your eye is drawn to the red and yeah. this happens 
constantly. Mm. It doesn't mean that you can't just have other colors. Um, so the third color is usually just an accent color. There's usually very little of it in there. Okay. So you have your primary, a secondary, not necessarily complementary, but often complementary color, and um, a third tertiary accent mm. color. When you remind yourself about this is this kind of color theory you've you've probably read about and learned mm. in in the past, but you forget. You just forget about it yeah. all the time. Mm. But now you now you have, I've kind of reminded you. I guarantee you're going to start watching some films and go, huh. Oh yeah, you're going to rewatch the Joker now, and you're going yeah. to see it constantly. Well, it's funny you mention that because I was um, I was playing around with some setups for the tutorial video, mm-hmm. um, and it, there are a lot of blues in there, and a lot of kind of you know orangey browns in there, mainly because of the way the background is in my face and everything else. Um, but I was I, I'm missing a spot of green, mm-hmm. weirdly. So I'm missing a like a plant. There's a particular spot on my desk where I know there needs to be a plant. That's going to be your tertiary accent. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So my plan is to um, to find like a florist or something tomorrow Mm -hmm. and find a plant. That's the plan. The plant. The plant plan. The plant's plan. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Cool. Well, it's time to look at some of the things that have been going on in the world of. Um, photography this week. Do you have anything? Anything from Canon? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, anything R five or R six related? Funny you should mention that. In case you're wondering why things have moved or this plant is now muddy, uh, we had a little accident. It looked a little bit like this. Ooh. What? <laughs> what no? Okay, so here's something i've come across this week um it just continues on the saga of the canon r5 by the way so it's you know there, there can't be an episode of the camera shake podcast where we don't mention the canon oh, no. r5 i intend to be talking about the r5 in episode well, 100 i was going to talk about nikon uh, and i did a lot of research this week and literally there were no news <laughs> thank you nikon <laughs> you're a treasure like zero nothing so um yeah not very exciting anyway so canon seem to already be uh, working on the next generation or what's currently being termed the R5S, which, according to the rumors, could very well be a 90 megapixel sensor camera. And apparently there's a select few photographers who are already in possession of said camera and already road testing it. And why 90? Why so high? But it's basically well, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's double the resolution compared to the forty-five megapixel. Who's going to want that? What what's what benefit is that going to bring bring people? Well, higher resolution again. You know, if you're shooting, um, if you're doing a lot of uh, studio mm-hmm. you know, photography or something, it can be uh, or product photography can be really uh, you know it can be useful. I mean, um, it's not going to be a sports camera. Let's put it this way. You know, so um, I'm wondering, I mean, it seems to me like we're embarking onto the next episode of the megapixel war, Ah, you know, Um, but, uh, but I mean, you know, yeah, it could, it could have its, its its applications. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, it's, it's like anything. It's like, you know, the question is, you know, who's going to buy it? You know, who's it for um, and what else is it going to be able to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you think about think about the R5's video features, I can't really, I mean, I can't really see how they could possibly top that other than having it not overheat, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, but I mean, 90 megapixels, certainly, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting in a way, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to... Uh, it's huge. It's yeah. Absolutely mammoth. Of course, the, the file size is going to be bigger, of course, and therefore, you know. Um, yeah, which for photos, that's nothing anymore, really. I don't, I don't see ever see that as an issue now. File size. Yeah, not so much. I mean, the only issue is you know when it comes to importing and exporting yeah. uh, the files, you know, yeah. it takes longer, and um, yeah, true. and of course, your computer has to handle more data. 
you know, so that could potentially slow you down if you, you know, if mm. your system isn't up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for people who work on older computers, you know, it might become an issue at that point, but that might be where the bottleneck is then. True. But then I think if you can spend that kind of money on a camera body with a sensor that massive, mm. I'd it, like to think that you're probably relatively up to date on your your machine as well. Um, well, I mean, you know, it, it, I tell you what, it could be interesting for like, it could be interesting or will be interesting for um, uh, applications where you um, you crop in a lot. Yeah, like as an event photographer, for example, or if you're a wedding shooter, I'm guessing this could actually make sense because you can now take a shot and you now have more flexibility or higher resolution when you start cropping in. So. That's kind of where these high resolution things come in, in handy. Same thing, you know, when you're working in the studio, you've got that extra resolution that's, you know, it can really be yeah. nice. You can see the details. Yeah. Um, Similar principle to shooting in 4K and exporting at 1080, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And, but, but you can you can crop in 50% Absolutely. if you want. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's nice. I think it's an event photographer, for instance, when you're you know, shooting an event, um, like let's say it's a social event or something and you can really hone in on on a particular part of the frame where something interesting is happening when and you can get rid of all the stuff that's you know that Mm. doesn't really mean anything Mm. um and for you to be able to do that and retain a higher resolution image yeah that can absolutely be useful Yeah. yeah so i can see it work for um for that um typically typically higher resolution means um it typically means that the low light performance isn't quite up to scratch. Um, you know, may or may not be, who knows? Um, but yeah, but that's anyway, so that's just a snippet of news. It's going to be interesting if people are already testing it. Yeah. Or some people might have their hands on it anyway. I'll be intrigued to see what, what happens with it. Absolutely. The other bit, I'm just going to follow it up really quickly mm. is, um, there's also been some news that Sony, Sony have confirmed a new alpha concept. And they're going to be launching that from mid-September, so um, so in the very near future. Um, and apparently, it's supposed to be um, it's it's a new concept, is what they call it, right? Uh, if you go into the Sony website, uh, you can actually see a, a countdown to the up to the actual launch. But what it's wow. meant to so what it's meant to be is it's it's meant to be like a bottom end kind of A series camera that. Kind of takes. It's a compact full full uh, full frame mirrorless. Okay. Call. Yeah. Um, I think it's sort of in in the. Well, see, here's the thing. We're not going to talk about the price just yet, right? But get this. So it's supposed to be sort of a 24 megapixel um, sensor, you know, uh, which, which could be the one from the, from the Sony A7 III, for example. So they take that sensor, then um, they're taking a, a fully articulated screen from the A7 III S. Mm-hmm. Um, or A7S3, and then uh, they pair that up with the A7S3's um, autofocus capabilities. Um, the building the IBIS and the whole shebang. It's got 4K 30p video capacity. You know, it's got a single SD card slot. I know we can argue about this. We can get back into this. Throw it away. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, now, if you think about it, like who is that aimed at? Right, it's got an articulating screen. It's got one SD card slot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the autofocus taken from the A7S III mm-hmm. um, and a 24 megapixel sensor. This sounds to me like a total... It's a vlogging camera, isn't it's it? Absolutely, yeah. It's totally <laughs> a vlogging camera. It's, it's, stick it's, it's, on a stick and you've, you've uh, you nailed it. Yeah, I mean, it's, this, is, uh, this sounds to me like it's totally aimed at the, the sort of vlogger kind of market yeah vlogger, you know. youtuber exactly and apparently it's got the form factor or the sort of shape that's like a good camera though yeah it sounds yeah. like a perfect camera for, for vlogging for yeah. sure why not um but it's, it's supposed to be smaller apparently it's sort of similar to the the um the sony a6600 so it's kind of that smaller form factor sort of okay. thing so again for vlogging could be quite cool yeah you know um so yeah i don't know if that's maybe it may be a response to um, people moving away of vloggers, that kind of market segment, moving away from um, from Sony to Canon currently, mm, mm. you know, with the RP and uh, and all that sort of thing. So maybe that's, that's an attempt to kind of draw them back, possible. Um, but the price tag is still about, it's about $2,100. Yeah. 
US dollars. So it's, so that's what is it like 1900 pounds something like that yeah a little, little less maybe but yeah. yeah give or take but it's still you know that's that's not a cheap camera so no it's not you know it's still kind of pricey but it sounds like it's going to be a decent video camera it kind of cuts out all the fat like it cuts out the 8k-ness and all that kind of jazz that the kind of stuff you don't need i mean it doesn't even you know it doesn't even give you like 120 frames per second mm-hmm. in like 4k or whatever and i'm saying not even but the reality is like you wouldn't really necessarily need that no you know no no no. so i don't know i mean it sounds like it sounds like an interesting little camera especially if the form factor is smaller and if it can actually produce those kind of images cool you know i'll be interested to see what happens with that and how how the images do come out um and you know if you're if you're carrying your camera around all the time if you're vlogging then weight is is crucial as an issue so you know um that could be that could be quite interesting yeah. that's cool taking the best bits of a couple of different cameras and uh, come up with that that's yeah great. it's like a frankenstein camera. yeah yeah frankenstein really vlogging camera first thing that came to mind when you started talking yeah. about it so, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about new gear i know this is normally like your um <laughs> arena <laughs> your arena but um fujifilm have unveiled a new lens yeah it's apparently the fastest Fuji lens ever made. How fast? Or it's a nifty 50. It's a 50 mil f1.0 oh, okay. lens. That's cool. That's huge. Now, that's huge. Hmm. Not as huge as Nikon's Noct or whatever it was called. Yeah. That was like 0.8 0. 0. or 9 or something like that. Yeah. But it was also like 8 grand. Yeah. Um, so this one sets you back a swift 1500 squiluchos which is uh, which is not well it's not bad still expensive i mean don't get don't get me wrong you know it's 1500 is 1500 quid but um or, or dollars so it's it's not a cheapy cheapy cheap lens but it's a 1.0 it's quite something really isn't it yeah and apparently um it's 1.0 without sacrificing autofocus or skimping on the weather ceiling is what they say now the autofocus it, it sounds to me like or it seems like they have really focused on the autofocus no pun intended. trying to say that three times Ta-da. um so it's it's supposed to be really incredibly fast at uh at catching focus even in near darkness okay so, interesting it's an interesting it's an interesting lens i mean this the, the thing is always like when you even even when you when we talk about like you know like a, an f 1.4 lens you don't really use it at 1.4 i mean not at least not for the most part you know so the question is like you know what would you really use that that lens wide open it's supposed to be exceptionally sharp wide open that's the other thing so you probably could okay. but um but you know the question is really yeah how, how often would you actually use it in that context um but what i'm reading into it is is, is that this seems to be a really exceptionally well-made lens um with, with an exceptional image quality you know sharpness mm-hmm. um well, if you have focus f1.0 you're probably only going to get about that much in yeah, focus yeah, anyway right? yeah <laughs> but um but this this may actually be sort of a, an all-round really super high quality lens mm. and uh, you know 1500 i think that's actually really that's that's not that's really not off the mark i actually think if you compare that to similar you know 1.4 nikon and canon lenses you know or even sony lenses you're kind of in this in a similar ballpark yeah you know so yeah. i think they've you know time will tell but it sounds like they may have actually hit it on the head yeah. with that lens um so everything that i'm hearing about that is um you know this seems to be it seems to be an awesome, awesome cool. piece of glass. looks cool. good as well when's it coming out um it out? it's coming out uh, it's expected to ship in fall 2020 so it run about now okay that's very imminent anyway okay um i think yeah you can pre-order it at the moment 59 dollars is what it says um you can pre-order it directly from the fujifilm uh, website we're not sponsored by fujifilm by the way 
Um, but it just sounds like, you know, sounds like a sounds like a good lens. Yeah. Um, Can't wait to see that in in being tested with some, you know, actual examples. Yeah. One point Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it sounds like sounds like like I said, it sounds like a really interesting offering. Yeah. Um, it's one it's one of these things, you know, it might might actually um, get me to try out an XT4 or something like that. Hey, you know, who knows? Do it. Yeah, do it. You know, get gear. Well, <laughs> I'm geared out at this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just had to, uh, I had to replace my main production PCs. Yeah. PC as a PC. I said PC. PC. Oh my god, uh, watch out my mouth right now. Go away. Um, but yeah, so uh, so that's a little bit of gear related news. Um, we are this is also sort of a pre-announcement. Um, we are in the um, in the process of trying out some new photographic techniques, mm. which I think we'll be talking about more next time. Yep. Um, we'll possibly be able to show you some of the results Hopefully. next week, actually. That'd yeah, be good. That'd be great. So, you know, watch this space. Um, there should be some interesting stuff coming yeah. on. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. So, despite the pandemic, we're at a point at least where we can still, you know, collaborate on, uh, on yeah. the fun project. So, that's, you know, let's, uh, let's hope that continues yeah. <laughs> over the next few weeks because you never know. And we need to get our uh, weekly challenges back underway. Yeah. Our own ones. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Oh, speaking of which, mm-hmm. um, our August winner for Landscapes, hopefully we'll have him on very soon. Yes. Um, next couple of weeks, yeah. uh, fingers crossed. Um, and actually, we're going to have an, quite an interesting guest coming up as well, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. Very. Um, won't give anything away just yet. Yep. Yeah. Watch this space. Mm. Um, make sure you tune in next week. Um, again, you know, it's always, it's always great to have guests on the show. Yeah. I feel. So. Yeah, and he works in a field which is uh, not something we're all used to, I'd say. Oh, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I can't wait. It's yeah, going to be awesome. That should be, that should be interesting. Yeah. Right. So I think that's all from us for this week. Yeah, man. And um, again, you know, if you'd like to uh, learn a little bit about how to change how to change, change the color of just about anything uh, in your image in Photoshop, then uh, just check that out on the Camera Shake podcast YouTube channel. Um and uh, let us know what you think. Uh, leave a comment, or you know, like and subscribe, and all the rest of it. That would really help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, or whatever, give us a give us a star rating, um, and also you know, leave us a little bit of a review. Um, it does make a massive difference. It makes a difference in um, how easily people can find our yeah. podcast. So uh, that would be super fantastic. In fact, here's the thing. So. The first person to leave a review on the Apple app, on the Apple Podcast app, uh, we will donate a photo to them. Hmm. So let's make that happen. Um, we'll have to think about what that could be, but yeah, I'm just making this up. But it sounds like a good idea. Anyway, leave a review. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, cool. So that truly is it for this week. Yeah, man. And we'll be back next Sunday. Pleasure. Next Sunday, next Thursday. Yeah. Oh my God, it's Sunday. Thursday. We are tired, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. See you then. Bye for now. See you later.